Welcome to the Eat Right Nutrition Podcast, where we partner with experts in the health, wellness, and nutrition field to deliver you an excellent variety of content based on real science, real facts, and real food. I'm your host, Aron. And I'm Nicole. And today we're catching up with Jordan Syatt. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode number 113 of the Eat Right Nutrition Podcast. Today, we have a very special guest for the second time, Jordan Syatt, and we'll be catching up with him on being a new dad, moving to Texas, and writing a new book called Eat It. And if you haven't checked it out, it's like 17 bucks on Amazon. It is the most sustainable diet and workout ever made. And Jordan has a way of simplifying things and making nutrition easy and digestible. So you'll want to pick up his book. Jordan, what's going on? I'm doing well. I'm doing really well. Thank you. Thanks for having me. How are you two doing? We're good. We're doing phenomenal. Do you guys want to just get right into it? Yeah, let's go. We're already recording. Just put all this on the podcast. Let's do it. (laughs) Uh, So Jordan, it's been a little while since we've had you on the show and a lot has changed in your life since we've had you on the show. You've moved from New York to, is it Texas? Yeah. Dallas, Texas. Yep. Dallas, Texas. You also got married in Israel and you had a baby recently. So I really want to start with all of the life stuff because I'm going to tie it into your coaching as well. Yeah. Um, and kind of how certain things have shaped your coaching. So first and foremost, congrats on the wedding. Congrats on the move. Congrats on the baby. And, uh, I think I want to start with you as a dad, how that his experience has kind of changed your outlook as a coach and how you approach your clients. Uh, well, first of all, thank you for the kind words and all the congratulations. Um, Honestly, I don't think it has very much. Like I think um I think early on in my career as a coach when I was a, a late teenager and early 20s, I made some mistakes and did things that like I entreated clients that like uh I, I didn't I didn't have the right idea as a coach and I was too aggressive. <clears throat> I was too like too regimented for many people who had kids and families and stuff. But I think by the time I got to 24, 25, 26, and I really started to work with a lot of people, I was like, this doesn't make any sense at all. And so I, I think me having a, a kid hasn't changed anything because like it's it's my whole message is more about moderation and it's about um just living life to to be healthy and not necessarily chasing like a, a certain dream body. So I really don't think anything has changed just because of had a kid, which is not, I don't think the the answer many people would expect, but um, I think it's it's just solidified that what I've been doing has been right. Mm, yes. So let me ask you this. Has your training kind of changed or have you backed off a little bit because of the baby? Has your sleep schedule changed? Like what's up with that? Yeah. So my training hasn't changed from the perspective of like frequency, but it has changed in terms of timing and as a result, also intensity. So frequency is still the same. For now, if it needs to change, that's fine. But I, I like to do something every day. But um, the timing is very different because 
I'm I'm generally more of a night owl anyway, and my wife likes to sleep a little bit early. But our our daughter is literally just like three weeks old, so she still has to be. She's being fed. She's being breastfed and bottle fed. Fed, which I didn't realize was a huge fucking debate and stuff. Like people are in my DMs <laughs> like the craziest shit about breastfeeding, bottle feeding formula. I had no idea, but like my DMs are bombarded with that stuff. Um, but so I said I'll take the late night feeding at like one in the morning because that way she can go to bed at like uh 9 30 10 get several hours of sleep there before she has to pump and like that helps her a lot so i was like i'll i'll do that no problem but by the time 1 a.m rolls around i'm exhausted so instead of working out around 5 or 6 p.m i'm now working out around like 9 or 10 p.m just so that because it's hard to go to bed right after you work out so i deliberately changed my workout schedule just to make it easier for me to stay up late to do that 1 a.m feeding and as a result, you know, I'm not getting as much sleep anymore. So I am more tired. So the intensity of my workouts has also gone down. Like I'm not, I'm not going as hard as I was when I was getting eight or nine hours of sleep. I'm only getting four or five hours of sleep. So yeah, not, not nearly as intense, but the frequency is the same. And I'm not just quitting or not going just because I'm tired. I'm still going, I'm still doing something. It's just not necessarily as, as intense. I'm not setting any personal records. That's for sure. <laughs> Why do you think people put so much pressure on themselves? I, I love that you're so, um, I, let's say, empower people to live in that navigating the middle in moderation. So why do you think people put so much pressure on themselves to, to be, I don't know if perfect is the word, but all in, you know, kind of that on off, either they're totally into it, hitting PRs or they're not doing anything at all? Yeah, you know, it's really interesting. Um, there are so many routes we could go at this, but I'll I'll give you um I'll give you an example of something sort of separate and I'll relate it to this. I was going on social media today and um like, you know, it's part of my job, but as soon as I log in, it's just drama. Mm. Like everything is drama. And and I, I log on and it, it's drama, not because it's needed to be drama, but because people making content they need to create this sense of drama in order to get your attention. So you watch their content. And I was like, it was so funny because I logged on, I saw a political post and I immediately logged off. I just like, fuck it. I'm not looking at this right now. This is like, and I thought in my head, I was like, if there was no social media, I wouldn't be thinking about this. It wouldn't, that thought never would have entered my mind. It wouldn't have bothered me. I would have had a great morning, but because I opened social media and boom, this big drama, I was like, what the fuck? Like, why is this in my head? And I think from uh, why people are so hard on themselves, it also has to do with social media because as soon as people log on to social media, they're seeing people who are shredded. They're seeing people who are saying, I'm working nonstop. Like sleep is for the week, grind every day, like eat perfect, eat clean. It's like, and that's all they see. And so yeah, they don't yeah. see when the people are not doing that. They don't see like the pictures of the person outside of having a photo shoot that's photoshopped and all this stuff. They just see what people are showing them. It's in their face, blah, blah, blah. And it's person after person after person after person after person. So then they create this idea in their minds like, well, I should be doing that. I should be like that. Why aren't I doing that? And I think that is one factor that massively contributes to it. It's also, I think, human nature to be your own harshest critic where it's like it's normal. To, to hold yourself to a higher expectation, to uh, to be harder on yourself than you would be to anybody else. So I think between social media, pushing it in your face, and then also us having the natural human tendency to be harder on ourselves than anyone else, it's a really a recipe for uh, for a very difficult scenario for us mentally and emotionally. 
So Jordan, what are some of the strategies that you would implement to get somebody away from those, those kind of thoughts and get them into more of a moderation kind of mindset? Yeah. So, I mean, number one is doing exactly what I did with the political post today. I just immediately, I didn't even finish the post. I just saw it, put it down and I was done. It's like, I, listen, I love social media. I think it's a net positive over a net negative, but there are many negatives about it. And it's not always good for your mental and emotional health. And I think there's sometimes you just need to put your fucking phone down. And if you realize that there's people who are posting things that are getting under your skin and causing you to not be as happy or as mentally healthy, like unfollow them unblock them. It's fine. Whatever. It's, it's not real life. If you don't know them in real life, it doesn't matter. Like it doesn't like, in, even if you do know them in real life, fuck them. If they're not good for you mentally and emotionally, like you don't need them on your social media feed. Um, so that's number one. And then I think just becoming aware of it. It's funny. Cause I, I'll never forget the very first time I used this phrase, I was speaking with a client. Um, a client was being super hard on themselves. And, I, and I, I basically what happened was their, their weight spiked up, right? Their weight spiked up and which is normal by the way, but they had, they had been away for a few days. They had a vacation or a little vacation, their weight spiked up and their weight went up a, a few pounds and, and they were so upset and so mad at themselves. And I asked them, I was like, let me ask you this. If your best friend told you they went on vacation and they had a really good time, but then they came back and they gained weight, would you be calling them fat and disgusting and gross? And they'd be like, no, of course not. I'd be like, so why are you calling yourself that? And there was a huge mind shift moment for that person because they're like, why, why would I do that? Why do I talk to myself in that way? Because they had written it out in an email. They're like, I feel so fat and gross and disgusting. I'm like so mad at myself. Like I'm a worthless pile of shit. And they wrote it all out. And I was like, would you ever say that? Like you wouldn't even say that to your worst enemy, never mind your best friend. And they're like, holy shit, you're right. Why am I doing that? And I think a lot of it is just awareness of how you're talking to yourself. We all often have uh, like our own internal dialogue going at any point in time, but because it's something that's so constant, we don't think about it. We don't even realize it's there. And you have to become aware of the internal dialogue that you're having in order for you to be like, this is not okay. Let's make a change. Yeah. It's kind of like the concept of, uh, you know, positive versus self, uh, negative self-dialogue. Yeah. Right. And like, what story are you telling your, about yourself to you every single day? If you tell yourself you're a piece of shit, you're going to you're going to believe it. Yeah. And like if you were hanging out with someone that all day, every day was like, you're a piece of shit, you're worthless. Like, yeah, hopefully you'd tell them to get lost and like you would leave and you wouldn't be that be, you wouldn't be friends with them. Meanwhile, you've got that person in your head 24, 7, 365 and like you're OK with it. And oftentimes you don't even realize it. That's the issue. You have to become aware of it in order to actually stand up for yourself. You got to punch a bully in the nose sometimes in order for the bully to stop picking on you. Like, but if you, if you're, if you just let it keep happening, the bully's going to keep picking on you. It's going to get worse. You have to recognize it. And, and it's funny because I used to, one of the things I, I studied is called motivational interviewing. It's a psychological tool that helps people understand, like that helps a, a coach or a, a therapist help their, their client or patient uh, navigate through difficult, um, difficult moments in their life, difficult situations. It was actually created for alcoholism, cessation, smoking cessation, but they have it. You can use it for fitness as well. And on there, one of the great things about coaching online is you have so many conversations that are written down. Like you can always look back and see what was said and what was written, which is like so many things are in a real conversation in a relationship, whether it's a coach, client, a spouse, whatever it is. So many, you, he said, she said, but there's no proof of it unless it's like via text. So it's another thing to have it all written out via email. And this is what I love because I would, what I would do is I would go through, if I had a client who was super negative, 
just super negative every day. Something was wrong. Something wasn't that bad. Something was negative. Eventually I would ask them, I'd be like, let me ask you out of curiosity, do you consider yourself more of a positive or a negative person? Almost every time they'd be like, oh, I'm positive. I'm super positive. I'd be like, do me a favor, go back through our last 10 emails, read everything you said to me, and then tell me what you think. And they were like, oh my. And then the first thing they did was apologize. They're like, I am so sorry that I made you read all of that. Like <laughs> I couldn't even believe like after going through it, that that was the one that said that. So we often have this negative dialogue in our head that we don't even realize is there, which then affects how we interact with other people and interact with ourselves. So becoming aware of it, I think is, is by far the most important thing. Yeah, I love that. I've done that with um, text messages that clients send me and I'll screenshot it and send it back. And I do it with the positive ones as well, just as a yeah. reminder to be like, see, you do think good things about yourself. Yeah. It is there. Smart. Yeah. So that's awesome. That reinforcement, not just like nitpicking the negative, but reinforcing yeah. the positive. Yeah. Yeah. So you brought up, uh, you talked about social circles, right? Like people, you wouldn't hang out with somebody that was always negative in your ear and, you know, shitting on you all the time. But the reality is that sometimes people actually do hang out with those people, which blows right? my mind. Yeah, I don't mind. Yeah, mind blowing. And I've had conversations. One of the big things in coaching that I try to create the dialogue of: I don't want to tell you as your coach who should be in your circle and who you should be friends with, and family members, and you know, shit like that. But you know, it's kind of like the Gary Vee thing, right? That where like he's just like, it's okay to drop those people from your life. And um, I, I just want to kind of get your thoughts about that and, and, and strategizing um, who should be in your life and who shouldn't. I have zero issues cutting people out of my life. I have zero issues with it. Like, I, And it's funny because I was talking to a, a young kid, 23-year-old kid that I do jujitsu with, really rough life. He was really, he was abused as a kid. He was beat up. Like he got the shit kicked out of him and he dropped out of high school, like really rough life. And he's trying, jujitsu has given him purpose and he's trying to find his way through jujitsu now. And and he said to me, he's like, man, you're just so positive all the time. I really appreciate it because I think most of the people in his life have not been positive. And I think one of the reasons is because I get so affected by the people around me and and I have no problems like a weed whacker. If you are a negative in my life, you're fucking out. I just cut someone out of my life a couple of weeks ago and I don't say it to brag, but I because it, it's something that I, it's, I don't just talk the talk. Like I walk the walk here and I'm very serious about it. And like, People know if, if you are a negative in my life, you are not in my life. Uh, I don't care if you're blood. I don't care what. If you are bringing me down, if you are if you are making my life worse, if you're not contributing to it, then why would I keep you? It, it's a cancer. Like, why would you want to keep a cancer in your life? It is not a good idea. It's which leads to uncomfortable conversations. Yeah. Some people being mad at you, it leads to uh, it leads to uh, people maybe talking shit about you, and a lot of times people don't want that to happen. But it's like I would wear. I'm totally fine. Someone talking shit about me if that means I don't have to deal with that person anymore. <laughs> like, great. <laughs> I don't have to worry about it. Talk shit about me. Like, I don't have to talk to you anymore. This is amazing because now I don't have to wake up with these annoying text messages from you, with these calls from you, with these long conversations with you. It's like talk shit about me all day. I don't care because now I can have a great day with the people that I love and the people that contribute to my life and I can positively contribute to their life. Um, so it's much easier said than done. And people are like, oh, yeah, it's much easier said than done. Yeah, literally everything is much easier said than done. There isn't one thing in the world that is easier done than said ever because you can always say it much easier than doing it. But just because it's easier said than done doesn't mean it's not worth doing. It doesn't mean you shouldn't do it at all. Like odds are 
there's at least one person in your life that you know that you don't want in there. And it's like, it's up to you. Like you get to decide. I'm not going to tell you what to do, but man, sometimes it just feels fucking great to cut someone out who's a cancer in your life because then you can spend more time focusing on the people who are positive contributions to your life. Cause sometimes these cancers, they take away from the amazing people in your life. Cause you have so much time and energy to give to them that you don't have as, as much for other family and other friends and other people who need it and who have really earned it and deserve it. So it's like, if your empathy cup is drained, drained by the time you get to the people in your life who really are contributing to it, it's not fair to them. It's doing them a disservice. So it's uh, sometimes you just got to, it's sort of like if if I have a, a company, I was talking to my my co-coach in the inner circle, um, Susan Niebergall, about this the other day. If um if we have a company and someone in the company is an amazing, like do, I don't know, maybe they're doing amazing sales or whatever it is. There's amazing at what they do, but among all of the staff, they're awful, they're fucking out. Like they're done. Like if they're among the staff causing problems, drama, people are upset. I don't care how good you are for the company how good you are from like a financial perspective. If you're bad from a culture perspective, you're out because that's not good for the company as a whole. So same thing with personal relationships. Yeah, well, culture is everything, right? Yeah. And I, I mean, I'll say this. The first thing I'll say is one person can just ruin your entire fucking day. Like one conversation with somebody can just destroy your day, all your productivity for the day. So Easy. it Easy. is wise, right? To look at those people and really say like, do I need to keep this person around? And the second thing that I'll say about that is you don't even necessarily, sometimes you don't even have to have that conversation, right? Sometimes it's just respectfully bow out, have less contact with that person. And eventually most people will get the hint. And a lot of people, that are you know negative and and talking shit anyway they don't give a shit about you anyway they're probably not even going to call you when you yeah. leave that relationship it's funny so the person that i just recently cut out that's basically the exact situation so this person was always super dramatic not a good person in general um and and so they got mad at me I'll, I'll, <laughs> maybe they listen to this podcast i don't know but if they hear it they'll they'll know i'm not, I'm not naming them by name or even by gender but we'll we'll say this i was on uh my which I didn't know there was a thing, a baby moon. It's like a honeymoon, but it's for your baby moon. So I didn't know that was a thing until my wife told me about it. I was like, okay, so I guess we're going to do a fucking baby moon. Um, but so I was on my baby moon with my wife, the last vacation we have before our baby comes. Uh, I think this is in April or May or something. And we were in Florida and this person was also in Florida. And this person reached out and was like, hey, I want to get together with you. And I was like, hey, like, love you. But I'm with my wife. This is our last vacation. You're 45 minutes away. Like, no, like I'd rather just be with my wife. And they got so mad. They were like, I see where your priorities are. And I was like, yeah, they're with my fucking wife and kid. It's exactly where my priorities are. It's like, and I don't want to have dinner with you tonight. So that's fine. They got so mad. They got super upset. And uh, we didn't talk for a while. And then like these people often do, they came back and and they like, they, they apologized. Da, da, da. And, and I, all I did was just reply with like hearts and like a small, like short little brief, like very small sentences. And they kept, kept asking to hop on the phone, kept getting on the phone. Like, let's do this. Let's do this. And I just ignored it, ignored it, ignored it. And now it's done. Haven't heard from them in a long time. It's like, you don't necessarily even have to say, I want to cut you out of my life. You could just not involve them in your life. And eventually they will get the hint. Yeah. Yeah. And I think to what you were saying, you're real friends when you're like, hey, I'm just going to spend time with my wife and, you know, my kid. They, yes. They're going to be like, all right, cool, man. We'll talk later. They love that. There were other people who are like, hey, do you want to get together? I was like, no, I'm with my wife. It's our last vacation. Amazing. Have fun. See you another time. It's like, 
no one is going to get like the fact that they got mad about it. I was like, that was enough for me to be like, this is the last straw. Like that's I'm done. You're ruining my vacation. My wife get out of here. So that was it. I think part one of the things that I find interesting about stuff like that is you have such a positive mindset and you're such a positive guy and you bring so much into what you do in the world that I feel like people want to be close to that. Mm. And when you aren't someone that's willing to allow them to be close to that, and I mean, anybody can say this about themselves, then I feel like the getting mad people are just missing out on getting the piece of good from you. Mm. Um, And so cutting them out or cutting them off is what I like to say, like limiting how much they can take from you is what's really powerful about that. And I think in the fitness industry, with all the confusion of what's true, untrue, what you should do, what you shouldn't do, what you're supposed to do, what you have to do, people like yourself that are putting honest, good quality content out, there's such a powerful, like you're a moth to a flame, like people want to know what you know, thinking there's this big secret behind everything. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I feel like that because I, I have I experienced that now. I think, I mean, I'm going to be 50. So I've been in the industry long enough that I feel like that's something that is people are drawn to. Mm. Um, and so I don't know if that makes sense, but that's 100%. something that I feel is. You're absolutely right. That. It makes a hundred percent sense. And you're right without question. So you it's because you're so good. <laughs> I'll say, that's how I'll I, say I look this. at it. <laughs> I'll, I'll say this from a positivity versus kind of negativity standpoint. I'm not going to like name other Instagram accounts, but I've seen people who have been in this industry way longer than Jordan Syatt and your following is exponentially greater than theirs. And I really do think that that's a testament to the positivity that you bring, because I think that certain pages would have grown significantly faster had they have had more of a positive message on a reoccurring basis. Yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And I think you're right. I mean, I think we're all starving for positivity. Like yes. we're in, in a world in which it's so easy, like the negative is just everywhere on social media and news stations everywhere. Um, like it's so easy. It's so easy to be negative. Being positive actually takes more effort. We're starving for it. So I think people just want to be around people who make us feel good, who are excited and find the good in life. I think people are really, they're, they're craving it. So if you can provide that, I think you're going to do much better. I don't know anyone who who bragged about being negative or anyone who bragged about like they <laughs> they were in a relationship with a super negative person. It's always like positivity is always used in an optimistic way and negativity is always in a pessimistic way. It's like if you're a negative individual, the good news is you can change that. Mm-hmm. But actually, it was funny. I'll, I'll read you the text because with that the 23 year old kid that I do jujitsu with, he lost one of his or a couple of his jujitsu matches, and uh, and we were just having a conversation about it, and. Um, I'll literally read you these te- these texts right now. So I was asking him, like, how'd the matches go? And he goes, I won the first one, uh, second match I lost, and then the third match, third match I lost, and the fourth match I lost. And he said, I don't know if I care. I usually don't get mentally weak like that. Time will tell how I feel about it. And I said, man, it makes total sense. Uh, there's a lot to think about and improve. You're the man, and I'm proud of you. And he said, I love how always positive-minded you are. And I, and I said, we all have those days. It's okay to be unsure of how you feel about it. The fact that you got out there is most important. You're a great jujitsu athlete and coach and an even better man. You're doing amazing things. We always have a choice, positivity or negativity, optimism or pessimism. We get to choose and optimism always wins. 
And he just like, he really, really, really appreciated that. And it's like, in my mind, when I'm having this conversation about the, the matches that he lost, like I could have, there's so many ways you can go with it. You could be like, yeah. a, like, like, uh, you could have went negative towards his opponents. They suck. You could have went negative towards the judges. You could have went negative towards any number of things, but it's like, we want, we crave positivity. And that's like, in my mind, I'm like, what does this kid need? What is this 23 year old kid who has so much negativity in his life, so much negativity in his history? What does he need in order to, to improve his confidence and help him keep going? It's like, he needs to know that he, like he's a good human more than like more than jujitsu more like he's a good human first and foremost. And it's like, People are drawn to that, I think. And I think the more that we could be that for others and ourselves, the better. I think the first step for him was great that he was like, time will tell how I feel because he didn't react. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think oftentimes when shit hits the fan, we just tend to just immediately have a reaction instead of just, OK, you know what? Let me let this simmer. And then later on, I'll decide how I feel about it. Yes. Yeah. Agreed. Nicole? I was going to say the same thing. I was just going <laughs> to I was just going to point out that it's it with the where you were making um when you're talking about the two pounds and the person that went on vacation it's the same thing that initial reaction is what you want to kind of take a step back and just really take a look at what that really does to life like okay you had a great vacation you put on two pounds like it's not like you can't take it off it's not like it's something that's going to be with you forever um so that initial reaction is what that pause moment is powerful for I also think too, just in general, when it comes to social media, the the negativity you're talking about, it's because everybody is trying to, I think, this is just my opinion, build a business now on social media. So it's so business driven that yeah. there's this mad rush to get gain people's trust and get people to buy. And I, I mean, that's so not what I signed on for social media for. <laughs> I'm sure you didn't. Um, I mean, yes, essentially, once people get to know you and are educated, they want to learn more. But it's not like that anymore. It's such a different platform. Yeah, it's true. I think people, there's a lot that goes in it. We have to understand, before we even look at the human aspect or behavior aspect, we have to understand social media and what social media is and what it is not. Social media started out as a way to connect socially with people. That's what it began as. But- yeah. It has now, social media is no longer social media. Social media is an advertising platform. Yeah. That's yeah. what it is. Because wherever the attention is, wherever the eyeballs are, advertisers want to be. And that's where they're willing to pay money to be. So now in social media, it, which respect, it started by people who created a business and they put in millions and millions of dollars into creating it, the software for it, that creating, like paying the people to create it all the time, energy. Cool. It's a business. Respect that. I love it. And as a business, their main goal is to make money. Mm -hmm. That's their goal. So how do they make money? Keep the eyeballs and get more eyeballs on it for longer so that their advertisers can get paid more so that their advertisers can pay them more to be on there more. That's how this works. The social media function is just like a small aspect of this overall platform. And so it's really because their eyeballs on it, how can we get these eyeballs to stay on longer? Well, now we can get into the human behavior aspect of it. Well, how do we get someone to watch something for longer? Usually some type of drama usually like create like some type of drought. Like why do people love reality TV? TV? Like I'll never forget Jersey Shore. Like, the Jersey Shore. Why <laughs> the fuck did I like that show so much? Yeah. Why was I so involved in the real world and the Jersey Shore? My mom would walk in the basement and be like, what is this trash? <laughs> and I would be like, this is the best. This And it's like, why? This is so stupid. But 
people like it. They crave that that drama, that like all that. Then there's so much negative. That's all those shows were negativity. Yeah. Was all complaining, fighting, fighting, negativity, yeah. all of that shit. And it was a lot of it was manufactured by the producers just because they knew that was good content. So this quote unquote good content that keeps people's attention is literally just drama, negative bullshit. Why is the news like Fox and CNN and MSNBC and all like left and right, all of it? Why is so much of it negative? Because people will sit in front of the fucking TV and watch and be super enthralled by it. And it will just poison their mind. Whereas like if it's positive stuff, it's no, people don't really care as much. So it's this is where you have to get into the human behavior side of it and know yourself. And you might think that you're positive and you might think that you want positive stuff, but you're much more likely to pay attention to something negative than positive. And that's on social media. We have people trashing other people, Mm -hmm. tearing them down, making fun of them, starting all these like. We could even look at celebrity grudge matches like Jake Paul boxing matches with like these fighters. It's like. It's the ultimate version of it where it's like, we're actually going to fight and we're going to create all this drama around it. And it's like, fighting is not a positive, self-defense can be positive, but fighting is not, we can't trick ourselves into thinking this is a positive thing. Training to fight, training to defend, that can be positive, but not just getting in a fight with someone for the sake of fighting. Like that is not a positive thing, Mm -hmm. but that's why we're so drawn to it. Like there's conflict, there's anger, there's all this stuff is it's when it really boils down to human behavior, being aware of yourself and how you look at certain things and what you're drawn to. It's you're you're probably gonna be surprised at what you find. Yeah. Well, fighting over carbs has been. Yeah. You know, it's it definitely is entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> so you see, have you sort see of that? wanted to create three like uh, fighting matches. Like the part of me is like, oh, I want like because they create so much attention. Like I've always wanted to be like, all right, I'm gonna go like challenge a low carb person to like a, a jujitsu fight. Yeah. <laughs> well, it is interesting as you're saying all this. I'm sitting here thinking one of the things I definitely do. I'm catching myself is when there is someone that puts on a well, not a fight, but if, if there's an argument over carbs, I'll just use that as an example. I'm looking through yes. all the comments, yes, and I'm looking at the back and forth, and I'm either dying laughing because some of the responses are priceless, yeah. or I'm yelling at my phone and I'm like, "Are you kidding? Me? Yeah, <laughs> you're an idiot. so Jordan, you make a good point there, my friend. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. it's funny. So Jordan, basically what you're saying is if I start shitting on everybody, my page will grow faster. <laughs> Honestly, probably. Yeah, at it this will. point, it probably it will. But then but the I question is, what that. you know, what type of what, what do I want to attract and what do I want to put out there? Right. That's really what it comes yeah, down to at the exactly. end of the day. Nicole and I talk about this all the time where I'm like, I can't believe this motherfucker just said this. It's so stupid. Nicole's like, don't post anything about it. Don't do it. <laughs> Positive message. Put your head down and focus on what yeah, you do. Yeah. I'm like, I can't. I'm like, I can't be in that. Yeah. That's too much for me. I don't think it's necessary at all. The way that you act, your clients and members will will act as well. Yes. For example, like people in my membership will always be like, I cannot believe how positive this community is. Like thousands and thousands of people in this community, like no one is being mean mm-hmm. or like discouraging. Everyone is positive and uplifting. And I think it's because they're attracted to my content because that's how my content is. And then they join. But I know other people. Yeah, yeah honestly, you see it online. Uh, and the they have their little followers like arguing with people. Oh. That's the stuff that I am that I keep telling Daron. I'm like, no, 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 no. We're not going to create a little army of anger, pe- no. angry people. No. Because maybe right now they're on your side. 
But what happens like if if you say the wrong yeah. thing, they turn on you. <laughs> That's the community you've just built of people who think it's okay to act like that. Yeah. It's like and that's why I'll post that shit in my stories. Like if someone says something that is rude or or whatever, and like I'll snap back at them and I'll post it in my stories and I'll be like, like the uh, the entitlement that these people have and people, the people who don't like that I say that will leave because mm-hmm. they think it's okay to act like that. And the people who agree and don't think it's okay to act like that will stay. Yeah. And that's fine. Like you want to encourage the type of behavior that you want in your community, not like just like people ganging up on other people. The other piece is that, and Nicole, you've said this to me, is that as soon as I start shitting on somebody, I open it up for being Someone's in the kitchen on a, on you. With a hot stove. Yep. yep. And it's like, I don't even, I don't even want that. I'm just going to, you know, stay in my lane and do what I got to do. One of my friends, I'll never, so my friend and uh, I was a business, I was her business coach for many years. And uh, you know, this whole, like you could duet things on TikTok and mm-hmm. on Instagram, like you can make a video of someone else's video. She made a video of someone else's video, basically shitting on them. And she didn't know that that person had a huge audience, an audience of very angry, Mm -hmm. very loyal people. And so then that woman made a video of this woman in response. And she literally was bullied off of TikTok because every time she opened it for months, she had the worst, most vitriolic messages and comments. Like she, she couldn't get on it anymore. Cause it was like, if you just didn't make that video or you made the video without referencing this other person and you just spoke about the facts, it's like, it would be so much better shitting on someone doesn't do well. It just doesn't. It does. It's not a good idea. If you want to have a good, uh, the way I think about, I think about a lot of this from like a brand perspective and we hear about brand a lot and branding. And whenever I talk to people who want to build their business and they, they talk about building their brand, I always ask like, what is brand? Like you use this word, people use the word brand. Like people use the word metabolism. No one knows what the fuck metabolism <laughs> is, but they're like, I have a slow metabolism. I'm like, well, what is your metabolism? I'm like, I don't know. It's like, okay, so don't use the word if you don't know what it means. People talk about brand, but they don't know what brand, what is brand? And the best way that I can describe brand is the way someone feels when they think about you. What is the first emo? What do they feel when they see your picture? They don't see your post. They don't know, but they they see your picture. Someone mentions your name. What is the first feeling that yeah. they have? That's brand. And if the feeling is like um, anger, or if the feeling is like uh, I don't know, uh, immature. Or like whatever, like you don't want those feelings. You want someone to feel like encouraging or happiness or laughter, what something positive. You don't want a negative association with your brand. Yeah, I could not agree more. That is the really a powerful way to say that. And Daron, I talk about this all the time. I'm like, I, when, I just want people to learn and have fun. And I'm very simple. I'm in the back. I, I don't need to be like, you know. <laughs> Nicole's the famous like you, Instagram. Nicole's I'm like Jerome. Just... You do all the videos, and yeah, you take the I'll lead be over it, here, which is fine. That's <laughs> fine. Um, Jordan, I want to kind of switch gears a little bit. Uh, you recently wrote a book, right? So I guess congrats on that too. A lot of congrats. A lot of like milestones. Fabulous. <laughs> Thank you. You talk a, about a few things here. So you talk a little bit about lying and deception in the industry and kind of who to trust. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. 
I don't want to pretend like I've never lied in my life. Every single person has lied. We've all lied. We've all deceived. We're all human. That's like, so I'm not trying to put myself on a pedestal and say like, I've never lied. Of course I have. We've all done shit we're not proud of. That being said, I think one of the things that I can really stand on from my career perspective is that I, I've done my absolute best to be very forthright and honest and and tried always like, if I'm wrong, I'll admit it. And I'll say, I was wrong about this. This is what I think now based on more research. Um, unfortunately, a lot of the industry is not like that. And unfortunately, because the barrier to entry is so low, especially with something like social media, there's a lot of people who have no fucking clue what they're talking about and are more than willing to trade their integrity integrity for a couple of bucks. So for me, I, I'm not going to trash anyone by name or say anything, but the main question I get is how can you decipher what is good versus what is not good information? Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, there is not an easy way to go about it, but I do have a simple way that usually works very well. Um, and it's really just uh, the most common sense way about it. And and I basically I say, whatever someone tells you, I want you to repeat it back very slowly. And if it sounds fucking stupid, you say it slowly, it's probably very stupid. For example, don't eat fruit because the sugar in fruit will make you fat. Okay, cool. Let's break this down. Don't eat fruit because fruit will make me fat. And you just think about that logically. Like how many motherfucking people do you know who got fat from eating fruit? Like literally none. Um, or people, you could even like try and just think about the most logical down to earth perspective. When people say like, don't eat carbs, like white rice, white rice makes you fat. Okay, hold on, hold on. The Japanese culture eats white rice all the time and they eat white rice like every day. If you look like it's, but they're not fat. They're among the healthiest populations in the world. So, okay. That, that doesn't make sense. Um, don't eat carbs because it makes you fat. Well, I mean the, the French eat carbs and, and Italians eat carbs all the time. And again, also among the healthiest populations in the world. So that, that can't be right. Um, I've heard shit people being like, yeah, doing too much cardio will make you fat or not eating enough will make you fat. Okay. Well, that doesn't make sense because fuck it, like, if that were true, then everyone in Auschwitz would have been fucking fat. Like what, what is going on? Right. It's like, it doesn't make any sense. So for me, it's, it doesn't necessarily tell you what is right, but it will tell you if someone's full of shit, it's like, okay, maybe not that person, maybe not that person. And when you start to find someone who just logically is saying things that makes basic sense, you found the right person. Someone, if they're always shilling supplements, probably not a good idea to follow that person. If they're if they're making things so complicated that you can't understand it, probably not a good idea to follow that person. Um, if they are unwilling or unable to admit when they've been wrong, probably not a good idea to follow that person. Uh, it, the, the more that the down to earth they can be, the more I think walking the walk is also really important, right? It's like, would you want to take advice from someone who's not living how you want to live? And it's it, this goes in the direction of, for example, you take a, a 5% body fat shredded bodybuilder. It's like, do you, is that how you want to live? It's like, if you don't want to do that, then like you probably shouldn't be trying to do their tilapia and rice cake <laughs> diet. Like that's a really fucking bad idea. Whereas like, are you okay? Like, 
look at someone, how they're living and their lifestyle and how they're presenting themselves and find the person that most aligns with what you want to do. And again, it's not foolproof. There are, there are, you know, ways that it can be deceptive and, and, but generally speaking, if you can be as the most common sense about it as possible, and it's simple and relatively easy to understand, you found a good person. Yeah. I think to add to that, I would probably say if their way is the only way and that's how they're presenting it, right? Yeah, Keto, yeah. intermittent fasting, like you have to do that. You're, it's going to save your life kind of thing, right? Then uh, I, I think that's something to stay away from as well. I agree. And I, I've said that before, but someone came back with a really good response and they, and they said, yeah, but you've said the only way to lose weight is calorie deficit. And I was like, yeah, you know what? You're right. Like I, I have said that and, and that's a fucking fact. So that's why I also say like, listen, whatever you're if you're trying to figure out who's right, try it. That's my point. Try it. Right. Yeah. If, if you don't think calorie deficit works, like, cool, like go do keto, go do intermittent fasting, go whatever. I don't care. Try it. See what one you can do best, which one you can sustain. If you're if you're five days in and you're like, I can't do this, probably not a good idea. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So just try everything. Practice, test it, see how you feel, live it. Because to your point, if it's not something you can live. And and I also think too, Jordan, and people associate calories in versus calories out, intermittent fasting all, with a person yeah. Yeah. versus with a method or tool or strategy. And so that's where I think social media can can make that deception feel um, uncomfortable for our clients is they look at the person and they think this is the person that I'm going to become if I do A, B, C, and D, as opposed to these are just tools and strategies that you try and you see if they fit for you. And the person who you are is already there. There's no association to you changing because your six pack abs are there today and or tomorrow. You know what I mean? Uh hundred percent. Yeah. I think that's super well said. I agree completely. So I the book, what, what, what made you want to write a book? Um, ego mainly. <laughs> ego. I okay. nice. Like, I think it's something we all struggle with on some level. Uh, I, you know, for many years I wanted to have a book. I thought it'd be cool to have a book in bookstores and everything. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, it's one thing to check off the, the bucket list. Right. Um, also, I like the idea of having all of my principles in one easy to access manual. Yeah. But like yeah. first was ego. Like ego is number one. And then that was number two. Um, and now it's very nice. Like if someone's like, hey, I'm going through your Instagram and like I don't know like where to start, I'm like, get my book. Like that will show you exactly where yeah. to start yeah. one by one. The step one, step two, step three, everything you need is right there. So I love that aspect of it. I don't think I'll write a book again because holy fuck, was that a really difficult process? That was my um, next question. Oh my Lord. It's, um, yeah, it was difficult. It was, it was very difficult. Um, and I don't know, I have more fun posting like brief clips and stuff on social media mm -hmm. and not having to, you know, work with a publisher and all that. So, <laughs> it's, uh, it's uh, like, I, I've never been good at dealing with people telling me what to do <laughs> ever. So like when it's great, cause I'm my own boss when I do social media and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. But as soon as I have a book deal, it's like, I'm not the boss anymore. So as uh there's always like, I'm, I, my mom tells this story. She'll like every time she meets someone and she talks about me, she will tell a story um, about how, when I was two years old, random for no reason, I ran into the house. I was outside. I ran in the house and I apparently, and she loves this. I put my hands on my hips and I looked at my mom in the face and I just said, you're not the boss of me. 
And she tells a story of how she looked at me and she laughed and she said, actually, I am. <laughs> but like, for, I've just I've never been good with authority or like being bossed around. So um, if I do write another book, I would probably, uh, I would still probably use a publisher. I'm probably just not gonna write a book, to be honest yeah. with you. I'm not, I think that was one and done for me. What were some, what some are the things that you learned about yourself writing the book? Or ever, is there anything that you um, learned in the process? You know, I'm not sure that I learned anything new. It's pretty solidified. So I, I co-authored it with my buddy and business partner, Mike Vacanti. And mm -hmm. um, I am very much um, a go with the flow kind of guy. I was like, ah, like, <laughs> like very Israeli, just like, ah, we'll figure it out. <laughs> like slowly, slowly, like whatever, you know, it's like you, you figure it out as you go. Whereas Mike is much more regimented. He's like, meet at this time, be on time. This is writing block. Da, 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 and I'm like, we'll figure it out. But so it it solidified for me because with the publisher, you have due dates, yeah. you have timelines, you have the first draft, you have second draft, you have this, you have that. And thank God I had Mike because if I didn't, I probably, they probably would have canceled the contract after a while. They would have been like, because I was just like, yeah, we'll figure it out. It'll get done. Da, 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 da. And it was just like, that's not okay when you're working in that and that. <laughs> With like a super well-known, very well-respected publisher, it's like, nope, we give you a deadline, you meet the deadline. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to get into a little bit about um, the overall message of your book and the purpose of writing it, really. Yeah, sure. Um, Besides ego, obviously. So, so, so basically, when we got the opportunity for a, a book deal, we both knew Mike and I, we wanted to write a book that was going to help the everyday person, which is just like all of our content. It, it, like we're not professional bodybuilders. We're not trying to do anything for like, we want to help everyday people, moms and dads, brothers and sisters, husbands and wives, just everyday people who just need help getting healthier. And, and really in today's day and age, which is, it mainly involves losing weight, losing weight and developing a healthy relationship with food and exercise and helping people do that. Um, and we wanted to write a book that was different from the sense of there's no restriction. There's no crazy fad diet. You can really choose. It's sort of like a choose your own adventure type thing. Um, we just want to give you the tools that you need. And then everything you need is there for, for like, you've got it. You can always keep it on your coffee table and your bookshelf lend it to a friend. But whenever you have a question, it's in this book, everything, especially around food. The vast majority of it is around food and nutrition because that's what most people, I think exercise will always be there, but like you can always go on a walk. You don't necessarily need to like be a power lifter or go crazy. Like you can stretch at home. Nutrition, you can never get away from ever. You have to eat. And I think more people than we realize are struggling with their relationship with food in one way or another. And so we really wanted to help people develop a healthier relationship with food, dispel all of the myths, dispel all of the dogma, dispel all of the confusing information and just like, hey, here's the facts. Here's what you can do. We're not going to say it's going to be easy because it's not easy, but you can do it. And this knowledge will make it much easier. And so that's it's really built around helping you live and enjoy life while enjoying foods uh, without it being overly restrictive. Why do you think people struggle so much with the belief that they can enjoy food and still lose weight. Oh, 
there's so much to unpack there. It's a wonderful question. It's it's like that's a very like philosophical question if we really mm-hmm. want to think about it. I think, you know, I think um so much of it has to do with what we have available to us now in terms of like I don't think in terms of the grand scheme of like the history of the world, I just knocked over an apple on my uh <laughs> In terms of like the the history of the world, we haven't had access to the foods that we have access to like for very long. So like if we look at the timeline of the world and human history, it's a barely a a teeny blip that we have access to all these foods that we have access to, right? So, and not to mention now we have like all everyone and their mother and all these people like giving us advice on how to lose weight and all these and do this and do that. Uh, I think for the vast majority of time that we've been focused on weight loss, uh, and that we've been focused on 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 trying to lose weight. Um, the vast majority of it has been built around you can only eat certain foods if you want to lose weight. Yeah, that's what we've been taught. Mm-hmm. It's like that's what I was taught. I remember like watch Super Size Me in in high school, mm-hmm. and we're told that like you can't like, you can't have McDonald's because McDonald's is going to make you fat and unhealthy. And like, look, this guy ate only McDonald's and he got super unhealthy. And it's like, well, this was a terribly uncritical thinking yeah <laughs> but like um we're always told like you know and all the marketing and everything and, and i'll say listen i love i'm a big fan of capitalism like i'm a huge i love capitalism but there are big faults that come with it and it's not a perfect system by any means and one of the biggest issues is we can see like uh all of the like so much of the branding and marketing and, and advertising is like don't have this because this is bad and this will make you fat instead have this and this will make you skinny. So people believe there are fat burning foods and there are fat gaining foods and all this stuff. So people just through everyday life and marketing and our exposures, we assume that there are foods you can have and foods you can't have just because of what we've been told. And then we can also take in individual behavior into account where, you know, someone eats carbs one day and they weigh themselves the next day and they gain weight and they're like, well, so it must've been the carbs but they don't understand what the scale is actually telling them. They don't understand that it's not, they didn't gain two pounds of fat from having oatmeal the night before. So they don't really understand what they're looking at either. Mm. Um, It's every time I do a little cut on social media, like a little weight loss phase, people freak the fuck out, which, and and it's not only new people. I have people, I literally, before we got on the podcast today, someone messaged me asking how I'm losing weight. And I scrolled up in our messages they watched me do the Big Mac challenge in 2019. Yeah. They watched me eat a Big Mac every day in 2019. They watched <laughs> my other weight loss phases. And now in 2022, they still are asking how I was. I'm like, I've told you everything. I've literally told you everything. I've shown you multiple times, but people need it reiterated over and over and over and over again. And I think it's something that we struggle with for any number of reasons. Yeah. And I that's such a great point. I find the enjoyment piece to be kind of one of the saddest things when as a coach that I find daily, like, I don't know if you experience this with your inner circle, but I've had so many conversations with clients, especially this past summer. I mean, it's a a real summer, no COVID people are out and I'm like, go have fun. Like you've worked so hard, like sprinkle in some of the good stuff. And it's so hard for them to, and and I'm not even talking about good and bad foods. I'm just talking sheer enjoyment to eat and enjoy food. Well, you I know think, what I mean? So, I think people sad. have like, people have like the, fe- it's like the fear of God over eating an apple, right? Or like something that like, it's like you are so terrified to eat that food. That's a big problem. Yeah. 
it's a massive problem. It's huge. It's a, uh, yeah. And there's so many things that come with it as well, because I think what, what will often happen is people will be people like, I don't know. I don't want to have a slice of pizza. Well, it's not even necessarily that one slice. It's what they know they'll do after they have yeah. that slice. It's like when they, cause the issue is they look at that pizza, the slice of pizza or that one donut, they look at it as such a failure and they use it as a justification to essentially go off the rails for the rest of the weekend. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, it's not only what that one piece or one slice is, it's also what it represents to them and what they know their behavior will be like once they've already eaten it. Yeah. And so it's a, it's a really complex issue. And it's not even just about necessarily a relationship with food, which is something that I really had to, had to realize because, you know, I struggled with disordered eating as a result of wrestling and cutting weight for years. But sometimes people will have these really bad relationships with food for things far outside of, of food or weight. Oftentimes it's that they have a traumatic experience as a child and then they use food as a coping mechanism as a result of it. It's like, you can't necessarily solve that with food education, right? Like that's a separate issue altogether. So there, there are so many deeper and, and underlying reasonings behind this. It's, it's a very complex issue. Yeah. It's my favorite of, part of coaching. Part of psychology, <laughs> I, of psychology I love involved. it. Nicole loves yeah, the psychology yeah. part of it. It's it's the most fun because it's that's really it's the most rewarding too. It's, it's rewarding. It's the most individual. It's like solving a puzzle too, if you really think yeah. about it. Whereas like once you learn the science of nutrition, it's like we know it. Yeah. Like you you get it. You know what you do, you know what you should do, mm-hmm. but why? Yeah. What's going on? Like what's up here that's preventing it? That's really where you get into real behavior change, and that's where. There is no one size fits all. There is like calorie deficit for every single person who wants to lose weight, period, end of story. Yeah. But how we achieve that yeah. through psychology and and speech and conversation and and pattern recognition, yeah. that's really, that's the, that's the difference maker. Yeah. The space between the knowing and the doing. That's my book. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> I love that. I'm with you. I think it's way more fun. Yeah. And that's where we get into, uh, changing people's lives, right? One of the things that I always say is here at Eat Right Nutrition, we don't want to just change your nutrition. We want to change your life. Yeah. A hundred percent. Well said. Jordan, I'm going to ask you one more question before we go. And this is a question that's been on everybody's mind. Okay. What does Mrs. Syatt do for a living? Oh man. She has so many jobs. It's really <laughs> it's hard to keep up. Uh, last I heard... She had just had an amazing accomplishment. She's um, she moves icebergs. So there's like big icebergs in the ocean. They've, you know, downed huge ships like the Titanic. Uh, and they actually have jobs now where tugboats will go out and move icebergs if they're in the way or if they're, you know, getting together in huge clumps and being dangerous. So she is actually uh, the lead captain on a tugboat that will move icebergs across the ocean. I have to tell you that your uh, her her jobs are pure joy <laughs> on your Instagram account. I'm like, what is she today? Listen. Because your wife has got to be the most beautiful, sweetest, <laughs> loving looking woman. And some of the jobs that you put in there are they're fantastic. So thank you. Thank yeah. you for the laughter because it's amazing. Absolutely. I mean, listen, she's got to be an incredible woman. She's done all of these jobs. She's so talented. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> Yeah, my favorite was uh, her stint as um, 
she made the uh, I forget what it's called, but she she for many years she was the lead maker of the uniform that sumo wrestlers wear. Yeah. <laughs> that was my favorite one, I think, because it's a big very, job, very difficult. But she really cornered the market, <laughs> and uh, it really all of Japan was on notice to call her and and it, it, any sumo wrestler that needed an outfit, she made it. She was she's brilliant. <laughs> nice. she is she enjoying being a mom? That's my question. My she, last question. She loves it. It's you know. It's a whole separate. Uh, That's another job. It's another job. It's also, I didn't realize how difficult it is, how much more difficult it is for the woman than the man, just inherently based mm-hmm. on their physiology. Like, even if, even if she wasn't breastfeeding, she'd still have to get up and pump. Yeah. And it's like, I didn't know that. Like, I had no idea. Like, she's, and, and there's all of these emotions around that as well. Mm-hmm. It's like, she's like, I feel like a fucking cow being milked every few hours. And I'm like, literally, when I came down to the office, like, we have, I have an office in the same building. I like, she's like storing breast milk. And I brought breast milk down to the freezer because like our freezer is running out of space. So I'm like, and breastfeeding can be uncomfortable mm-hmm. to say the least. And like, holy shit, like the lack of sleep is just one aspect that just like, magnifies the difficulty it's like the lack of sleep isn't even the most difficult part it just makes the most difficult parts even more more difficult yeah so there's so much about it and like it's amazing and it's incredible but it's exhausting and it's petrifying and all of the above and more at the same time so love it and she's amazing at it but it's also it's difficult yeah i'm so excited for you both to go on that journey of all things that is absolutely incredible enjoy every thank moment thank you thank you and i cannot wait for your daughter to walk outside with her hands on her hips someday <laughs> and say dad you're not you're not <laughs> you're not the boss My of me and not wait <laughs> she's like all of her her dreams are being realized through her first granddaughter she so amazing have her put me through all the shit i put <laughs> yeah, right. oh amazing well thank you for everything you do and for being on again and absolute pleasure talking to you thank you both you're amazing you're a great host and uh i'll come on anytime i appreciate you and if i can ever do anything to help don't hesitate to reach out yeah absolutely and ladies and gentlemen if you enjoyed this episode click subscribe give us five stars write a review share this with a friend and you'll hear us next week 